0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Wisdom and Stuff podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Boucher, and this is where we cut through the christian and tradition-based thoughts that hinder us from the limitless lifestyles that we, as actual children of God, are designed to walk in. So let's go ahead and dive into the Word and see what the Holy Spirit has for us today. And So you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. And so this is what we're talking about tonight is seeking to excel. He says this is what we should be doing. We should be doing it for the edification of the church. We've been talking about that. We've been talking about being zealous. Uh, But tonight I want to just kind of wrap this series up talking about seeking to excel. And that simply, you know, once again, we've talked about this before, that the word excel means to go to another level. That what was currently acceptable or, or what was acceptable to you yesterday is no longer acceptable to you today. That's what the word excel means it means what the what the masses find acceptable you don't find acceptable and and remember in in Daniel in chapter 3 it says that there, there the, a, an excellent spirit was found within Daniel that Daniel had a, had this excellence about him and um And he was found faithful in all that he did but he had this this excellent spirit that was found upon him and here he was he he every situation he was in he rose to to a level that was of supremacy because of that excellence that was on the inside of him but with that when you begin to challenge the current norm people don't like it did they like it when Daniel challenged it no they got him thrown into a lion's den you know, they, they understand people don't like it because what it does is it is it it, it exposes insecurity on the inside of them. And so well, I'm talking about believers. You know, when, when, when people start to, to actually say, you know what, I believe there's something more. I believe that we can walk in something higher. I believe that God is as big as he says he is. I believe he's infinite. I believe the blood paid for it all. When you start making statements like that and you start raising the standard and saying, I believe we can live on a totally different level than what we're living right now. And you begin to challenge the 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 current lifestyle uh, that people are living at boy christians will get just upset and they'll start listing all kinds of reasons why you can't live on a different level and the only reason is because they're insecure and they feel threatened and so it's like hey if i say you know that that um, uh you know right now i live in eugene and you know it's possible for me not to live in eugene it's possible for me to live in new york city Does that somehow make it lower to live in Eugene? No. It just means there's something else that's possible, right? But everybody living in Eugene shouldn't feel threatened by by my statement that I could live somewhere else. You know? (laughs) But that's really how Christians get They're like, well, how dare you say we can live somewhere else? I'm living here. I get that. I'm not telling you you have to move. I'm just saying that I can live somewhere else, okay? And and we just understand that we should be excelling, though. It says that we should seek to excel. And our attitude toward everything should be that, that that we excel in things, and we've talked about that before. How it's in it's with really within human nature to excel, because like we've said before, you know, even in technology and different things, everything's always going to a higher level. And why wouldn't it be that way with the things of God, and even more so with the things of God? And so, learning to to seek to excel. Um, here he says. Um, This is even so since you are zealous for spiritual gifts Let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel So once again, this does not sound like the language that a lot of of churches use today a lot of churches use today Like well, you know, we believe in the gifts of the spirit, but we're not really going to teach that stuff That's not seeking to excel. Is it? We don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. So we don't want to you know That's not seeking to excel seeking to excel means I'm actually reaching higher than I am right now. I want more I love what David, remember when David danced before the Lord when the ark was coming in, and he's, he, you know, he says that he was basically he was in his big diaper, you know, as he was in he's dancing before the Lord, and, and um, he, what, remember his wife's reaction? Oh, she was disgusted. You know, he comes in, and she's like, oh, that's the way for the king to act. Everybody saw you dancing in your underwear before the Lord. You know, the king shouldn't act that way. And she's totally disgusted by it, right? Remember his response? She's, he's like, you haven't seen nothing yet. I love his action because he's he's going, he goes, I will be yet more undignified. That's how he said it. Isn't that great? You know, here, her pride levels up here, and he's like, Oh, you haven't seen me be humble yet. I am going to go, and I'm gonna do it all for Jesus. And that's how we have to get that way, though. We have to be that way about the Lord. Where we, we can't be embarrassed when things happen that we don't understand or that people around us find offensive. I can't make apologies for God he's gonna do a lot of things to hack people off right okay but I'm not gonna I don't want people to be offended but at the same time I'm not gonna apologize I'm not gonna apologize for love I'm not gonna apologize for the move of the Spirit I just want to say hey, you you have not seen anything yet if you get if you get hung up on somebody laughing on the floor for three hours that's nothing You know what I'm talking? You get offended by somebody running around and just, you know, just doing, come on, what does it look like in heaven right now? It's radical in heaven, right? And we want heaven on the earth, but when somebody says something that's a little bit louder than other things, they're like, (gasps) you're not ready for heaven yet, right? So anyway, just understand that... um, that we need to seek to excel, though. And so tonight, I just want to get into this. How do we actually do that in a really practical way? How do we excel in the gifts of the Spirit? How do we move forward and actually get to a place where we're walking more with the gifts of the Spirit? Um, let's turn over there. Let's turn, turn to uh, Acts chapter 2. Actually, Acts chapter 1. And we'll look at the, the model of this, okay? We know the, the law of beginnings, is that when God does something for the first time, there is a model in that that we can learn from from there on after. And so here in Acts chapter 1 and in Acts chapter 2, we know that the Holy Spirit was poured out. And so this is the birth of the church, and this is the birth of the church operating in in um, in in cooperation with the Holy Spirit as a church. And so we can see some things that happen here. Acts chapter 1, and he says here... Um, Okay, let's see here. Uh, I'm going to start in verse, uh, verse 4. It says, uh, And being assembled together, together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with what? The Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. Now, did they know what that meant? Nope. Didn't know, right? But was it a promise? Yeah. Okay. So they have a promise. Once again, so the promise is here, and let me just put it this way: the promise is here, and their understanding is here. Okay. Does that make sense? Promise here, understanding here. Okay. And so, but he tells them to do something. What does he tell? Them? He says, "says You need to wait in Jerusalem." And so, uh, it says, verse six: Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, "Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel?" Now, you understand that they're asking him about something political here, and they have no clue as to what Jesus, his whole mission was. They've walked with him, that he's been been risen again and everything else, but they still have no clue as to what his role is and their role is. They're speaking from total ignorance right now. And so they're just asking a question. Lord, will you at this time restore the... Now, do you think... (laughs) Now, isn't this interesting? Therefore, notice what it says. When they had come together they asked him okay so this wasn't just one person asking him was it it was it was them as as a group right it says they came together and what do you think they were talking about when they came together this very thing right here right they they are all in a consensus now at, talking amongst themselves saying this must be the time this must be the time when jesus is going to overthrow the roman government and and set himself up as king were they did they have any idea what was going to go on here not any idea at all. But they actually thought this was the most spiritual question they could ask, right? Because they asked it. So they thought they were on the right track. If you don't think you're on the right track, you would never ask Jesus this, right? You would actually want to say the most spiritual thing you could possibly say at this time, and this is what they came up with as a group, okay? Now, let's keep going, verse 7. And he said to them, it is not for you to know at times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, verse 8, but you... Shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you and you shall be witness to me in Jerusalem all Judea and the end of the earth praise God so here they are um, once again he has a promise that's here and where's their understanding way down here to the point where they're asking stupid questions now do you understand that's that not just them is it say that's me too, that's me too. okay right understand this. Is, this is us right we are the disciples of the lord right and so his promise is here our understanding is here so our questions are down here our thought process is down here the most spiritual thing we can come up with is still down here and so we're saying things and asking things and inquiring about things and all also that has nothing to do with his plan and all he says is okay just wait just wait okay just trust me on this and so what do they have to do Uh, Acts chapter 2 verse 1 there Acts 2 verse 1 When the day of Pentecost had fully come They were all with one accord in one place Keep going And suddenly there came a sound from heaven As of a rushing mighty wind And it filled the whole house where they were sitting Now we know this happened, right? But were they expecting this? They didn't know what to expect Once again, they're promise was here, their understanding was down here. But what did they do? They obeyed the word of the Lord. So I want you to see something. Promise was here, their obedience had to get to here. Guess where their understanding was? Down here. But their obedience had to be here. Does that make sense? See, most of the time, we want our understanding to be here before we obey. That's never going to work. Your obedience has to be up to the word of God, and your understanding is still down here. But now, what happens though... Now, what I love about this is they're seeking what we call in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 something that I has not seen nor ear heard, right? That's what they're seeking. They're seeking something that's never happened before. And that's what God wants for all of us. He wants you to walk in something that's never happened before. He wants you in, to, to excel in the gifts of the Spirit, right? To excel means that what I experienced yesterday isn't good enough. Does that make sense? So I want what I've never experienced before, but how do I have to do it? Just like the model. I have to obey the Word. My understanding is down here, the word says this, and so my obedience and my yieldedness has to rise to the word, even though my understanding is still down here. Now, the the problem is that we get stuck in, um, we get stuck in habits in our life where we're not seeking to excel, we're just putting out the fires of today. Do you know what I mean by that? That means there's crisis there's problems going on and you spend all of your time and all of your all of your energy dealing with the problems in your life rather than actually excelling and so you run around putting out fires all the time and so you're using all of your thought patterns and all of your all of your mental energy is just dealing with the troubles of the day that's never going to actually produce for you we have to seek to excel Uh, there has to come a time think about it this way um, okay, who who, are, who who? who's known for inventing the, the plane, the airplane? Wright brothers. We know other people were working on it at the time, but they were the ones who actually got one to fly. Um, okay, so think about this. Here they are. I don't even remember what year that was. I don't know if anybody has an idea what year that was, 19... Yeah, right in there. Yeah, 0607 sounds about right. Um, I don't know what year it was but um, at that time they had you know obviously uh, steam locomotives they had uh, they they actually had already had cars they hadn't had a mouse produced yet but they had cars Um, let's just pretend I don't know if they did but let's pretend that uh, the Wright brothers had a car they might have I don't know but let's pretend they had a car and let's let's pretend that on that car it it, um, obviously like any other car it needed maintenance do cars need maintenance yeah, all the time, right? So let's say that, that they're, they're needing to change their oil. They're needing to change the tires. Tires keep going out. The, 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 the you know, different things start going out on it. It has leaks, so it has to deal with all the leaks. What if they would have spent all their time dealing with their car? Would they have ever invented an airplane? No. Do you understand? They had daily life problems, but they had to choose to seek to excel. In other words, they had to say, I will not deal with the daily things that are, that are actually vying for my attention, vying for my, my mind and my thoughts. I'm not going to deal with that right now. I'm going to choose and I'm going to set aside one hour, two hours, three hours, whatever. They're going to set aside this to actually pursue something that no one's ever seen or heard before. This has to happen in your life. You will not excel if you spend all your time on daily problems. We have to choose to say, I'm going to set aside for, for another hour or for, for whatever it is each day, nope, I'm not even going to give a thought. I'm not going to give one thought to the, the issues of today. I'm going to seek to excel. I'm going to invest in something higher than I've ever seen or heard before. You've got to do it, or else you're going to spend all your time fixing up your car that's breaking down every day. And all of your mental energy and all of your thoughts are going to be geared toward just maintaining something that, that really is not ever going to last instead of going to something higher and so when we're talking about excelling here's what Jesus said he goes he, they're sitting there, they're, they're worried about Rome running Israel they're going are you gonna overthrow Rome and set yourself up and he goes don't worry about that right now don't worry about what's going on in Israel right now don't worry about the political situation don't worry about the government don't worry about all that stuff right now what I need you to do is I need you to wait and pray and actually seek to actually grab a hold of heaven right now man this is our model We have to seek past what you currently think needs to be dealt with. What you think needs to be dealt with is not a big deal. I want God, okay? And he says that he he beholds the plans of the enemy and he laughs, right? So I don't need to be consumed with what the enemy tells me I need to be consumed with. I need to seek to excel. I need to press past some things and spend some time and some mental energy on the things of heaven. You know, the word says, of course, in Colossians chapter 3, I won't turn over there, but in Colossians chapter 3, it says, set your mind, where? Where? On things above and not on the things of the earth right now we know that's talking about in heaven but think about it this way we need to set our mind on things that are currently above what you're thinking about right now what are some thoughts that are currently above what you're thinking about right now just even one step above it let's try that but if all I do is keep my mind on the things that are trying to to challenge my mind I'm never gonna excel I'm never gonna get out of those things and so we wonder why we don't ever see see victory and a lot of it's because of this. So we see this model though. So they they here they are, they're they're believing, they're acting on the word, they're praying. And then of course we know, once again Acts chapter 2, and we've we've been reading this says verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them, it says, divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So now, okay, okay. We know what ends up happening here. There's 120 people there. They start speaking in tongues. There's this huge sound of a wind. There's all this stuff going on. And it says all the people in verse 5, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, what sound is he talking about? The wind, right? That was huge. And then they're speaking in other languages. So when the sound occurred, um, it says, uh, then the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Okay, so was this, was, was what was happening? Was it from God? But were they confused? Yeah. So apparently that can't be the gauge, can it? See, a lot of times people do that. They'll go, well, if it, if it, if it, it causes confusion, it can't be God. This caused confusion, didn't it? It says right there they were confused, right? But was it from God? Totally from God. Okay, so now understand. What, so we, we know they, they're, they're wondering about what's going on. And then it says, um, verse 14. Of course, let me back up verse 13. It says, and others mocking said they are what? So you have some that are confused and you have some that are mocking. Is that still going to be the case today? Yep. That's still going to be the case today. Some will be mocking and some will be confused. But does that mean it's not God? Nope, doesn't mean it's not God. It says, but uh, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And so now here he is, he begins to speak this, right? Verse 17, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And on my, ma- my ma- men servants, on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire, vapor of smoke, and the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Praise God. And then he just keeps preaching. But now notice what happened here. Peter steps up, everybody's confused they're mocking Peter steps up and he begins to say something he goes this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel okay now I want you to see this their obedience is here their yieldedness is here guess where Peter's understanding is it's right here right it didn't start off that way did it it started off down here but you see he had to obey and yield past his understanding and then as he obeyed and yielded his understanding suddenly rose This is what will happen every time. This is the model, so that you can actually step up. He knows this verse. He's read it lots of times, but he didn't know it applied to this until he yielded. He had to yield first, and then the understanding came. Most of the time, we want our understanding to be the dictator of our lives, and it shouldn't be. We need to understand that under what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith we understand. Faith will precede understanding. I have to step out in faith, and then my understanding will rise. God wants me to understand, but He He it's going to have to be done His way, and it's going to be done obviously through faith. Now, um, we have to let uh, okay. Uh, da, da, da. turn over to um, back over to 1 Corinthians fourteen. When my mm-hmm, okay, when my obedience and my yieldedness begin to surpass my experience. Uh, then my understanding will rise to pass my experience as well but if I never let my yieldedness and my obedience pass my experience my understanding will never pass my experience that's a big truth because I want my understanding to be so far past my experience level my experience should not define my understanding the Word of God and the Spirit of God should define my understanding But if I never yield past my experiences, if I never obey past my experiences, then my understanding will never have the opportunity to go past that. Did we get that? There's a lot of truth in that, and we need to get that. So many times we're so limited, and and we're we're waiting for our understanding to to rise, but our understanding won't rise past my yieldedness. Now, here in 1 Corinthians 14, okay, let's see where we were, verse 12, this is where we started, even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Verse 13, therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue do what? Pray that he may interpret. It says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? Okay, now so here Paul he goes he goes okay he goes when I'm praying in tongues my understanding is unfruitful at the at the part of it is verse fifteen he goes what's the conclusion then I will pray with the spirit and what I will also pray with the understanding I will sing with the spirit and I will what sing with the understanding now we you know we understand that, that here he's talking about uh, you know praying in in tongues and praying in English or whatever but I like to look at it this way that that if my understanding is going to raise, I have to, what, what comes first? Praying in the Spirit or praying in the understanding? Praying in the Spirit comes first. Then praying in the understanding, right? Isn't that what it says? And so that tells me that the first thing I have to do is I have to yield to the Spirit. I have to pray in the Spirit, and then my understanding will rise to that. If I begin to sing in the Spirit, my understanding will rise to that. But we, that, what he says right before that verse, in verse... Um, Uh, 13, it says, therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue do what? Pray that he may interpret. So is this available for us? For for who? Everybody, right? He goes, because, once again, God doesn't want my understanding to be lower. He wants my understanding to be higher. He actually wants it to be higher. And And the gifts of the Spirit are not to, the gifts of the Spirit are not a way around my understanding. They're a vehicle for my understanding to raise to a heavenly level. That they're a vehicle, so that I can actually begin to allow my understanding to be, to be heightened. Now, um, okay, let me see here. Uh, let's just keep going here. Um, man, there's a lot in this. Okay. So how do we how do we actually begin to, to walk this thing out? How do we begin to go from this place? In fact, let's just keep going there in that in that chapter here. Let's um, uh, skip down to verse twenty. And he says, brethren, he says, do not be what? Children in understanding. However, in malice be babes. But in understanding, what's he say? Be mature. So does God want my understanding to be uh, like a novice? No, he wants it to be mature, right? That's the goal is for my understanding to come to a place of maturity. But it requires me stepping out in the spirit to do that. And so w- what comes first is me actually stepping out and yielding to the Holy Ghost. So... Um, just, I just want to talk about just a couple points as far as how I learned to grow in the gifts of the Spirit and excel in the gifts of the Spirit. Um, I heard this uh, talked about three different times from different people when I was living in Tulsa, and that's what actually kind of prompted me. Because um, you understand, there was a time, just like with anybody, there was a time when I never gave a tongue in interpretation. There was a time when I never prophesied. There was a time when I never had a word of wisdom, word of knowledge. And I, I wanted those things in my life, but I was really too intimidated to step out in a church and do it. Um, Plus, I just didn't know what I was doing. And so I was like, well, how do I learn to do this stuff? Um, let's say, any, any guys. obviously, you guys have flown in a plane, or most of you guys have probably flown in a plane before. Um, do you think that airplane pilots, that, 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 that airplane pilots, do you think that they train in a 747 with 300 people on board? I hope not, <laughs> right? Do you think that's where they learn how to fly? now where do you think they learn how to fly in a simulator right that's their first step is in a simulator okay and then as they get more hours in a simulator then they are coupled with people in like a little twin engine or something like this right and then they then they they get their pilot license for a small plane they, they move up don't they but it doesn't start with flying in a jumbo 747 with 300 people on board you know over the Pacific Ocean right that's not where you start and it shouldn't start that way with the gifts of the Spirit I don't start by, uh, uh, you know, God will not start me out by standing here in a church service with hundreds of people and just say, okay, go, first time out, here we go. Dude, I could crash and burn, you know? And man, it could get really ugly really fast, right? But what's he do? He starts me out in a simulator. And what that means is it's just me and him. It's just me and my prayer closet. That's where we start. This is how we grow. And I remember uh, I I heard Brother Hagin talk about this, but I I also heard John Osteen talk about this. And then, uh, of course, my my pastor in Tulsa, Pastor Willie George, he talked about this a good deal. Uh, Of course, I heard him more than anybody else. Uh, But he talked about how he learned how to walk in tongues and interpretation and the prophetic and these different things, just in his own prayer closet. And so this is where I just got intrigued. I was like, okay, well, hey, sounds good to me because I don't want to test the waters in and amongst the people of God. I would rather learn how to do this between me and the Lord and you know what God's good that way he doesn't he, he he's so good that yeah we can step up and we can any anybody can just step up and 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 you know by the unction of the Holy Spirit give a word give a tongue or whatever but understand that he wants us to excel in these things right and to excel it means it's kind of like when I was in band uh, I, I took band for like four years in, in uh, fifth sixth seventh and eighth grade And what they would do in the summertime is they would give us our instrument, and what were we supposed to do over the summer? We're supposed to practice. Guess what I didn't do over the summer? I didn't practice. Oh, I had all intention of practicing, but then summer was there, right? And, you know, hey, you know, but so, so I would show up at the beginning of the next school year not any better than when I left, you know, because I didn't practice. And so I would show up, and I was... I, you know I was really insecure and I didn't know what I was doing and so it was it was not fun for my band teachers I'm sure but then what happened though in between my seventh and eighth grade year I actually determined I go, I'm going to practice I'm gonna practice this summer and I went to the, to the uh, uh, music store got some books and I didn't practice every day but I practiced almost every day and I got a lot better than I was decidedly better than I was I had a, we had a, one of the books that I'd gotten, Um, I remember sitting there at the beginning of summer, I opened up to like the last song in the book, which is going to be the hardest one in the book, there's no way I could play it, you know, because it was the first of the summer, you know, and I'm like, man, that's crazy, by the end of the summer, I could play it, no problem, I was decidedly better, and so I walked into band class the next year, my eighth grade year, and I was confident, because I'd been practicing for three months, and I sat down and started playing, oh man, had a great year, that was the best year I ever had. Was it magically better than all the other years? No, it's cuz I practiced. I put the time in. Right? This is what we do when we seek to excel. We practice. Okay? We do it in our prayer times. We do it when we're sitting there. Man, I don't want to practice on you guys. Okay? You should thank me for that. Okay? <laughs> I want to be with me and Jesus where nobody can get hurt, you know? I want to be with me and him. It's like you don't look like you don't practice fl- flying up in a 747 over the Pacific Ocean. That's not where you do it. You do it in the private times. And so you get used to it. And, and you know, with, we can see this in the Word of God, how it goes from the, the, it goes from the private to the corporate. Now, um, uh, over in uh, uh, da, 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 Acts chapter 10. But it's always going to look like it did in the book of Acts chapter 2 where their understanding was low and the Word says they can do this, so they had to yield and obey to pass their understanding and then your understanding will rise. That's how it's always going to look. That's the model. And so, um, but it it's, it might sound a little bit different. It might come out a little bit different for you, but it's, it's always going to be that way. Now, Acts chapter 10, and um, here we see, um, okay, verse 9. It says, this is about Peter, right? And he gets his vision. It says, in the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop, why? To pray. To pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him, let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, a wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter, verse 14, said, not so, Lord for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, what God has cleansed you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. So here, is Peter in private, or is he in public right now? He's in private, right? He's praying. Right now, suddenly God begins to speak to him. Now, here he is. Now, verse 17, what's it say? Now, while Peter, what? Wondered within himself. What does, so did he have, uh, where was his understanding level, high or low? Very low, right? And to the point where he's questioning it. He actually questions God. He goes, not so, Lord. Now, here he is. His understanding is low, and so he's looking at this thing. He has this encounter with God in a private time, and now notice what happens. He goes... um uh let's see uh verse 17 he wondered within himself whether vision would would had meant behold the men who had been sent from cornelius had made inquiry for simon's house and he stood before the gate and they called and asked whether simon whose surname was peter was lodging there verse 19 while peter thought about the vision the spirit said to him behold three men are seeking you arise therefore go down and go with them doubting nothing for i have sent them Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to them from Cornelius and said, Yes, I uh, am he who you seek. For what reason have you come? Okay, now, so he ends up going with these guys, right? So here he is. He has this vision. His understanding is low. But now suddenly the Holy Spirit tells him, go with these men, right? So now he has to yield and obey. So his obedience has to be here, but his understanding is still down here. Okay, now if you read the whole account there, we know he goes to Cornelius' house. Cornelius is a Gentile. He's not even supposed to be able to come into his house. He goes in, all this other stuff. Cornelius is the first one who gets born again, right? The first Gentile to get saved. And all of his household gets saved at the same time, and they all start speaking with other tongues. It's a glorious thing. Changed all of history. But where did it begin? It began with Peter in his prayer. It began in a very private time. Peter is praying by himself. He's seeking God. And God begins to encounter him in a way that I has not seen nor you heard, and it's messing with Peter's understanding, and Peter's going, no way, this cannot be from God. It was totally from God. What did he have to do? He had to yield his obedience to what the word was telling him, to what his heart was telling him, and then allow his understanding to come up. And then finally, when he's in Cornelius' house, he goes, now I perceive that everybody under heaven can be saved by the name of Jesus. He preaches the gospel. His understanding rises. He preaches the gospel. The Holy Spirit pours out on them, and they all get filled with the Holy Ghost while he's preaching to them. Praise God. Everything changes because it went from a personal thing to a corporate thing, but it starts out in the personal. That's where it starts out. If you want to seek to excel, you start out in your house. You start out in your prayer time, and you begin to seek God. And like I, said, I just started doing this where I'm like, okay, Lord, I just, I just don't know what I'm doing here, but the word says if anybody, wants, if anybody speaks in tongue, pray that he might interpret right? That's what the word says. So I'm in my, my house, and of course we know in, in 1 Corinthians 14 that if you pray, and if you speak in tongues, and you interpret, that's, that's the equivalent of prophecy, and anybody who prophesies, it's, it's exhortation, edification, comfort. Is there ever a time when the Holy Ghost does not want to edify me? Ever a time when he doesn't want to encourage me? Any Anytime he doesn't want to exhort or comfort me? No. So then I know, then I could just simply ask, and he'll give me that. Does that make sense? It's kind of like this. It's like um, I brought these things from my house. It's like uh, it's like this. You guys know what one of these is? Nozzle for your hose, right? So let's say I got my hose hooked up to this, which I do not. But if I did, if I had my hose hooked up to this, uh, and I wanted water to come out of it, what would I have to do? Okay, I'd have to pull the trigger, right? Pull the trigger or press on the trigger on this, in, in this situation. So I'm, I have to, though, release the, the, the valve. Now, by me releasing the valve, am I producing any water? Nope. Am I demanding water? Nope. I'm putting demand on the valve. That's all I'm doing, right? The water's already there. The water has already come from the source. It's already in my hose, and, and until I actually open that valve, the water will be right here, right? It'll be right at the valve mark. So what I do by squeezing the trigger is I am simply putting a demand on the valve to release what's already there. I want you to understand, your heart is the valve of the Holy Ghost. He's already on the inside of you, right? So I'm not producing anything. I'm not putting a demand on him. I'm putting demand on my heart. I'm putting demand on my heart, and I'm demanding my heart to open the valve. Just open the valve and let him go because he's already there. And he's always giving good and perfect gifts and he's always pouring he's always doing all the the is always flowing all the time but all I got to do is open the valve right and I do that by faith I don't do it by understanding I do it by faith I yield and so here I am I'm in my bedroom and I'm going well Lord okay I believe that the word says if anybody speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret that's what the word says I have no idea how to interpret anything at that time and so here I'm like okay well here we go. And so I just said, okay, Lord, I'm going to speak in tongues. And the word says to pray that I might interpret. And so I believe this is your will. If any man asks your will, then I know that I have the petitions I desire, according to 1 John chapter 5, right? And so I pray, and I go, okay, I believe I'm going to interpret. And so here I am. I'm speaking in tongues, and the whole time I'm just listening to my heart. Not to my head. Listening to my heart. <sighs> okay. Listening to my heart. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm doing, right? I'm just listening, and I don't even know. And uh, I'm like, okay, I can interpret, uh, you know. And so I just start saying words that I believe are coming out of out of my heart. No feeling, no unction. I'm not waiting for a feeling. I'm yielding. That's all I'm doing. Not waiting for a feeling. I'm yielding. Just saying words. Whatever. I'm just obeying. They don't mean anything. It could be apple. apple, 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 apple. You know, it's a word. Okay, I'm just yielding. Don't know what it means. Apple! Okay. Okay, then I'd get done, not feel anything. Okay, well, I believe I was just... You know, How did I get saved? I believed and I spoke. Past my experience, right? But I believed and I spoke. How did I get filled with the Holy Ghost? I believed and I spoke. How do I flow in the gifts of the Spirit? I believe and I speak. Right? And so I have to go past my understanding, though. I have to go past my experience to allow my understanding to come up to that. So... I do that, don't feel anything, don't know whatever. I'm going, okay, Lord, I didn't feel anything. I trust that was you, blah, blah, I don't know, and I just leave. And I do that probably, I don't know, dozen, two dozen times, whatever. Go in my prayer time, I'm just doing it, da, 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 I'm speaking what I believe. I'm supposed to be speaking nothing. I don't feel anything. The whole time, I'm just searching my heart, though, just yielding. That's all I'm doing. Then finally, after, I don't know, it was weeks, and uh, I'd been doing it for a while, and uh, I'm just doing it by faith. And then finally, it's like I'm sitting there, I'm speaking like I had been, And then something, though, obviously I know what it was now, it was the unction, it's like it was like a grappling hook, and I felt it go into my heart, and it just pulled up these words, and now suddenly I'm speaking like i had been speaking for the last few weeks, and suddenly I begin to speak, and it's with power and authority, and I was like, whoa, I just spoke something there. It was the Holy Ghost, and I knew it. I mean, I remember I was in my bedroom, and I just stopped. I was like, okay, that was the Holy Ghost. That was tied to heaven itself. But you understand what I was doing up until that point in time? I was training my heart. I was training my mind to hear from my heart to release heaven. So now I knew what to look for, and so now I just I just allowed that to flow out. And so the next time I'm in my prayer room, now I know what to look for. I know right what's because I've been practicing. And so now it's like, okay, Father, you said I could could pray that I might interpret and that I might pursue prophesying, so I'm just going to do that. So I just began to search. Once again, just opening up the valve. And now I know what to look for, and now it's like, here we go. Boom, right there. And you just get practiced at it. And once again, does the Holy Ghost ever, is he ever quiet? Is he ever shut his mouth? No. He's always flowing. The river's always flowing. So I'm just putting a demand on my heart to open the valve up. Like I said, I know it's, 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 you know it's one of those things where like, so we, we don't produce it. We don't manufacture it. I'm just jumping into what's already flowing from heaven. And I know it's not me. It's just him. Now, turn over to 1 um, uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. Are we okay? Are we getting something here? This is just how you do it. I just want to make it really clear. This is how you do it. Uh, you gotta, it, and it it's like this. Um, uh, okay, here's another nozzle. This is, this is Rachel's nozzle. Um, <laughs> you can tell it's Rachel's nozzle. Uh, it's, it's purpley. And, um, uh, but now you understand, there's a difference between this nozzle and this nozzle. Not just the color. Yeah, it's a lot nicer. But what's the difference, really? The main difference between these two nozzles, what's the main difference? Yeah, more functions, right? But they both allow water to flow, don't they? Right? So here's the thing. This is how two Christians can totally look, is that one of them can look like this. Still the Holy Ghost but there's only one actual type of spray that's going to come out of this. But then you have this one, still the same water, still the same Holy Ghost, but you have all these different settings on it so he can actually use you to a higher capacity depending on the situation. And what you, what you have to do, though, is you've got to get, get practiced. You've got to seek to excel. You can get better at stuff. You know, There was a time when I'd, I'd never given a tongues or interpretation, but now I was talking to Pastor Brian several years ago, and we—I don't know—we were talking. about. We were just talking about stuff, and and uh, and the word says, you know, it says if in a church setting, in a church setting, if if there's uh, if there be no interpreter, then people need to speak to themselves and unto God when they're talking about tongues. And um, now that tells me then that, there, that it says if there be no interpreter, it tells me that there should be people in the church that are given to that, right? And Pastor Brian, we're just talking about that, and he just made mention. He goes, he goes, yeah. He goes, I found out. He goes that that pretty much. Anytime there's a tongue I could give the interpretation, I said, you know, I found the same thing to be true about myself. I can give the interpretation anytime. But most of the time, I know it's not necessarily my position to do it. So I'm waiting for whoever's supposed to give it. But if, no, if they don't step up, I could do it. And, and it's just because that's just something that, that over, the, over time and over years of, of, of practicing it, I've, I've learned and I'm yielded to the Holy Spirit in that regard so that now he can use me whenever he wants to if, if there needs to be an interpretation. Pastor Brian's the same way. Probably Pastor Kelly might be the same way too. I'm not sure. But turn over to First Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, it goes, though, the, the stages go from your private setting into your prayer closet. Then it goes into the church, though. And in the church, that's what, you know, the, uh, Pastor Dave and Pastor Tim, and these different ones, have been talking about um, the, the the public versus the private gift and stuff. And so it needs to go in the church. But here he says in First Thessalonians 5, uh, let me see here, uh, verse 19, And when Pastor Dave was talking about uh, the gift of prophecy, of course, he got in this, did a great job with this. But he makes mention here, verse 19, he says, Do not quench quench the Spirit. Do not despise what? Prophecies. Prophecies. But then he says, test all things and hold fast to that which is good. Okay, so now here he says, don't despise prophecies. That's interesting to me. One time I was reading that verse, and the Lord kind of just popped this up. He goes, why don't you think I listed any other gift? He didn't say, don't despise healings. Don't despise gift working of miracles. There's all kinds of different gifts, right? He didn't say that. He says, don't despise prophecies. He goes, why do you think I had to pointed that out? And I'm like, well, you tell me, Lord. I'm done, you know, I don't know. And he said, well, because that gift is more prone than any other gift to be corrupted by the human form. Okay, and, and what that means is that you understand that the, the gifts of the Spirit are going to flow through your personality, Okay? They're going to sound like you and look like you. They're going to flow through your personality, but what we have to do is that's why we have to yield to the fruit of the Spirit. We have to yield to love because if, I don't, if I'm not yielding to the fruit of the Spirit, then, then the, those gifts that flow through my personality have a great uh, um, a tendency to be corrupted by whatever's going on in my soul at the time. And prophecy is one that it, it is the most susceptible to that. Because the prophecy sounds like this. Somebody stepping up and saying, thus saith the Lord, you know, here's, here's what God's saying to you. And there's, you know, it's hard to fake uh, working of miracles, right? I'm, you can't fake part in the Red Sea. That's kind of hard to fake, right? It's hard to fake making the sun stand still for a day, right? It's hard to fake having a limb grow out. That's just something that's kind of hard to fake, okay? But you can, you can fake getting up and speaking a word out and having it half be you and half be God. That's why he says don't despise it. But what does he tell us to do? Test what? All things and do what? Hold fast to that which is good. So he says here, he goes, when a word comes, we need to, it doesn't say test all people, does it? I'm not not judging the person. I'm testing what's being said, right? I'm not judging the person. I'm testing what's being said. And what's my goal, though? What does it say? Hold fast to that which is good. So if I'm supposed to hold fast to that which is good, what should I be looking for? that which is good. I don't be, I'm not looking for that which is bad. See, some people get really critical and judgmental about stuff because they're looking for that which is bad. And whatever you seek is what you're going to find. But if you're going to hold a fast to that which is good, you're looking for the good, right? And so, man, I don't care if somebody gets up and they have a word from the Lord and it goes on for a half hour and one word from it is actually good. I'll hold on to that one word praise God. And the rest of it, throw away, who cares? But man, that one word was so good, hallelujah. The rest of it was just them. But what we have to understand is is when we're dealing with these things, that's why we have to begin to yield to the fruit of the Spirit. We have to begin to yield to to love, because that's what allows the filter to be accurate in our life, and that allows us to be more and more usable by the Holy Ghost. Now, turn over to Acts chapter 21. Let's look at a quick uh, example of this. Anything that the Lord does, man has the opportunity to misinterpret. And that's why we have to allow the word to be the standard for everything and not our own mind. Acts chapter 21, though. And uh, here he says, um, we're still talking about prophecy. And like Pastor Dave, he did a good job with this stuff. It says in verse 9, it says, uh, actually, verse 8. It says, on the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea, entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was uh, one of the seven, and stayed with him. Now, this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied, and as we stayed many days, a certain, what, prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Now, once again, like Pastor Dave talked about this a little bit, here, he had four daughters who prophesied, but then, in verse 10, a prophet named Agabus came down. So there was a difference. People can prophesy without being a prophet. This guy actually walked in the office of the prophet. And so he walks in this, and he comes to to there, and says, verse 11. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Okay, now, is what he said true? Yeah, he was totally accurate, wasn't he? Right? This is what was going to happen to Paul. And so this was a prophetic word. It was a word of wisdom came forth. And so now here he says, verse 12. Now when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him, talking about Paul, not to go to Jerusalem. So they heard what the prophet said, and what was their interpretation of it? Don't go. Yeah, but was that God's will? No, they misinterpreted it. So they had a genuine word from the Lord but they misinterpreted why God gave it to him. Do you see that? See how clear that is? Paul wanted, I mean, God wanted Paul to go. B- God was warning Paul. But at the same time, he wasn't telling him not to go. They just misinterpreted. It says, when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem. And then, of course, notice what it says there in verse 13. Then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? for I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when we would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, the will of the Lord be done. Now I love, this is a great example here, because here, Paul's standing there knowing what the will of the Lord is for him, right? Did Paul know? Paul knew. And then a prophet comes and says, here's what's gonna happen when you go. And then everybody around him misinterprets the prophetic word and says, then it must not be God's will for you to go, so don't go. But was that God's will? No. Paul still knew. You you can't let, and and like Pastor Dave talked about this, you can't let a prophetic word tell you what the will of the Lord is. I should say a misinterpretation of the prophetic word. Just because people are adamant about it doesn't mean that they override what you know God told you to do. This is about your heart. This is about you actually hearing from God and doing what God told you to do, but you're only going to know if you're in your prayer closet doing it. Paul knew. He goes, no, I'm going. doesn't matter how many people tell me not to go, I know what God told me to do. And if you're going to walk out the ways of God, this is a big part of it, is not allowing people and their fear and their misinterpretation of things trying to tell you what to do to dissuade what you're supposed to do. So now, here's, you know, we just have to understand that the growth, um, our growth in the things of the Spirit requires a relationship with the Word of God. Um, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, says that we should desire the sincere, milk, the sincere milk of the Word that we would grow thereby, right? Gifts do not cause us to grow. The Word causes us to grow, okay? But what we have to do is we have the, the, the relationship that I have with the Word is going to determine the relationship I have in the gifts. It doesn't mean I won't be used. It just means the accuracy and, and my understanding of the gifts is going to um, match my understanding of the Word. Uh, turn over there to... Um, Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to wrap it up here. Are we okay? Now, what I I really want you to understand, though, is that your excelling in the gifts is a purposeful thing. It's very purposeful. It's not some big mysterious magical thing that, that only happens if, perchance, the Holy Ghost lands upon you one day and elevates you to another level. It happens on purpose. Did they pray in the upper room on purpose? Did they wait on purpose? Yeah. Was the Holy Spirit poured out on purpose? Yeah. It wasn't magical. It was just Jesus said, wait, do this, do it, and they did it, and boom, he came. And even though we read it and it said, and suddenly there came from heaven, we were talking about this the other night at the house, is there really anything that happens suddenly with God? No. It's always the end of a process. To us it looks suddenly, but to him it never looks suddenly. To him, he knew the whole time when the Holy Ghost was going to be poured out, right? And they had the purpose to be there. And so we need to understand that we can do these things on purpose. You can give tongues, you can give interpretation, you can prophesy, you can have words of wisdom, you can have words of knowledge. All that can happen on purpose. But it it happens not by me demanding what the Holy Spirit's going to do, but by me demanding my heart to open up to what he's already doing. And it can happen any number of ways. Um, uh, Getting used to the leading of the Lord, um, he can lead you through uh, obviously his written word is the main way he wants to lead you but at the same time I'm talking about your daily life he can lead you through unctions as far as just being led to do something he can lead you through just impressions and feelings and perceptions of things that are going on he can lead you through through just words like a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge Um, he can lead you through dreams and visions he can lead you in infinite number of ways and he is right now leading all of us the word says as children of God we're led by the Spirit of God right the question the, the the issue is usually we're just not aware of the leadings because we're not in his presence enough to get used to him we're not in the word enough to get used to him we're not in prayer enough to get used to him one day uh, uh, I was uh, me and my my niece Hannah this was about four or five years ago we we're out at the house and uh, we were uh, stacking wood we were, we we're getting ready to you know just kind of move we we're moving some wood around we had some green wood that was dropped off in our driveway so I was kind of moving the old wood and moving it all around And I had some other wood in the back anyway and it's just a fall day. It's like in October or something. And, uh, and we're just stacking wood. And I could feel something was different. And uh, didn't have a word, didn't have a voice, didn't have a dream, just had a feeling. My feeler was just saying, something's different today. And just stacking wood. Now, here's the thing. My feeler is going up. Something's different today. And, uh, and I stopped and I... I, I um, I don't remember of who was it, if it was me or her that, that mentioned it but one of us mentioned it and we both felt the same thing We're like yes, yeah, something's different something's something's going on now i didn't have a leading to go do anything so what do i do just pray in the holy ghost that's what i do i don't have a leading so i'm just still stacking wood right but my antenna is up because i know okay something's going on now within about 45 minutes car pulls up lady had, had, had her kid in the car, and they had a little hatchback car that was full of stuff, and she's like, you know, she goes, well, we just moved in, in around the block a little ways down the road, and we just don't have any money, and could, could, could we have some of that wood for some heat for this, for, you know, because we just don't have any money for heat, and, uh, and I said, well, I tell you what, if you, you know, go empty your car, you come back, I'll give you some, you know, and so she goes empties her car, and uh, she comes back in about 45 minutes or so, and I went and got the good wood because this was green wood that I had, you know, just sitting there that she wanted. I went and got some good wood from my backyard and I'm pulling out wheelbarrow loads of good wood, just loading as much as we could get in her car, you know. And so I get, I get to be, I start talking to her. I start speaking the word over her. I mean, she's just crying. You got to pray with her. Praise God. You know, she, she, you know, drives off just in tears and we just had a good time. And the thing is, then I got back to the stack in the wood and I just knew it was like, oh, that was it. And after we we're done, uh, after I was done doing that, I would start stacking wood again. And Hannah comes up to me, she goes, Oh, that was it, wasn't it? That was it. She goes, it's totally lifted. I go, yeah, that was it. Now what was that? That was the leading of the Holy Ghost. But you could, I could have just let that pass by. But if you're aware and you get aware in those prayer times, you get aware, in, what does it say here in Hebrews chapter 4? In verse 12. It says, Uh, Verse 12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of what? Soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. This is how things get cut in between your soul and your spirit. In other words, how you know whether it's God or you, you get in the word. The word cuts these things. The word discerns between your soul and your spirit. It's only the word that can do it. The more I'm in the word, the more I know whether it's me or whether it's God. If I'm not in the Word, there's always this big gray area where I'm like, I don't know if that was me or God. I know whether it's me or God, because I'm in the Word. The Word cuts those things. It's not hard for the Word to discern these things. It's hard for me to discern these things, but not for hard for the Word. But you see, I, if I'm going to be attuned to the things of the Spirit, if I'm going to actually begin to walk these things out, I have to learn to allow the Word uh, to define what I'm doing. And, and understanding that it's it's the, the the ways of the Spirit and the leadings of the Spirit are never He's never led by need. Mankind on this earth is led by need. God's not led by need. I mean, think about Jesus' ministry. He's always led by the Holy Ghost. Did he heal everybody that he saw? No. He walked up to the, the pool of Bethesda, right? I mean, the pool of Siloam, I should say. Pool of Siloam. How many people were there? It doesn't say how many people. There's five porches, though, right? Porches of people laying there. How many people got healed that day? One. One person gets healed. Remember when he's in the house and they, laid, they, 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 they tore open the roof and they, the guy gets lowered down? And, says, and the Spirit of the Lord was there to heal them. And he looks and he says, and he saw their faith. He didn't see their need. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say he saw their need. He saw their faith. The Holy Ghost isn't led by need. He's led by faith. And so we need to understand that the, what, what, if, I'm, if you're ministering to somebody, it, looks, it goes from your personal prayer time to the church setting, in that setting, this is where we get corrected, praise God, is in the church setting. This is where we fine-tune things. This is where you can get up, and I know it. When I've, when I've gotten up and I've said things, and I knew that part of it was me and part of it was God, well, what do I do? I correct myself, I repent, I move on, glory to God. But I let, I let this environment be that corrective tool. I let Pastor Brian, Pastor Kelly, these different ones sharpen me and say, you know what, you know, part of that just wasn't God. Yeah, I know. Don't get offended about it. Just keep going. Praise God. We're just learning to, we're just learning to be better. That's all we're doing. But what it does is it prepares us for the world. It prepares us to go out into the marketplace. It prepares us to go to the gas station and to the, to the grocery store and to speak the word accurately and to actually minister by the Holy Ghost and not minister because of need or based on our own personality. But this is what prepares us for these things. And so, you know, learning how to sit there and say, you know, okay, I don't want to be led by need. I don't want to be led by, by, you know, what people may or may not. I, I want to be led by the Holy Ghost. And what, ha- what, what is required to do that, though, is when we get into the Word of God, allow the Word. Now, uh, last verse, we're going to close with this, Mark chapter 16. We need to be bold about what we're doing, but at the same time, we need to understand that he's the one who does everything. And it says, um, of course, we know in in verse uh, 17, 16 or 17, it says, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will what? And then what will they do? Speaking in new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And then, what will they do? They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Is that pretty bold? It doesn't say they might recover. It says they will. Okay, we need to. We need to have boldness in this. Now it says, verse nineteen. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached where? Everywhere. The Lord working with. And now we know that the word them there is in italic, so it wasn't really there. So it should say the Lord working with and confirming what? The word word through accompanying signs. The Lord, the Holy Spirit works with the word. He works with the word. He accompanies the word. But we have to have boldness and we have to have have faith in the power of the word. I don't have have faith in the power, uh, the ability for me to heal somebody or for, you know, I can't have faith in that. I have to have faith in the word. One time I was I was in a church and I just I was about to preach and uh, this was several years ago and I just I had a I didn't have some overcoming, you know, because I didn't levitate, I didn't have goosebumps, I just had this little thing on the inside that said carpal tunnel syndrome. That's all it was. I don't even really know what that is. I know it messes with your wrists, but that's all I know, right? And I just said, okay, and I didn't I didn't feel like I was all that's all that came up was carpal tunnel syndrome. That's it. It wasn't even like It would have been as powerful as I would have heard the word, uh, you know, tomato. That was as powerful as it was. You know what I'm saying? It was no big deal. It was just a word. It wasn't like with tinglys or anything. And so, but what do I have to do? I have to be bold about this. Does God want people healed? Yep. Okay, so... Not my job to heal them, just my job to open the valve. That's all I got to do. The water's already there. Glory to God. And so I just sat there and said, okay, anybody right now who has had carpal tunnel syndrome, just I'm just speaking the word right now, and I just call you healed in the name of Jesus. And if, uh, if, if that was you, and you get healed or whatever, just come up to me after service and you know, let me know, blah, 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 whatever. That was it. And then I went on to teach the message. And um, you know how many people came up after service? None. Thank you very much. But once again, does that have anything to do with me? Nope. I did what was in my heart to do. Now, the funny thing is, is that the next year, I was back at the same church, and, uh, and I was just talking to the pastor there, and he brought it up. He goes, you know, you called out that carpal tunnel thing. I go, yeah, I remember that. He goes, four people got healed that day. Well, praise God. Thanks for letting me know. You know, but, you know <laughs> one guy didn't even realize it until the next day. And he he came up afterward and talked to me about it, you know, during, while I was there the next year, you know, and all of them came up afterward and told me their testimony. It was like, praise God, they had been suffering with this stuff for years and years and years. And it was instantly healed, glory to God. But none of them felt any weird thing. There's just God being God, you know. But it's just a matter, we need to understand that it should be that ordinary. It should be that common to where it's just a common word comes up in our heart. We just let open the valve and we allow the Holy Spirit to do the rest. But I I have to let my yieldedness and my obedience trump my understanding so that my understanding will rise to that level. Does that make sense? Let's go ahead and pray. We'll wrap it up right there. Father, I just thank you, Lord God. I thank you for your word, and I just thank you for your ways. They're so simple. They're so easy, Lord God. You made this thing easy. And I just thank you, Father God, that you just allow us to excel in these things. You allow us to go to, Father God, to that place where eye hasn't seen nor ear heard, Lord God. That's what you always want for us. You want us, Father God, to see heaven on earth, Lord God. You want us to see things that will just blow us away, Father God. And I just thank you that we just want to be open to do that. And so, Father, I just thank you it's on purpose that we choose to seek to excel. It's on purpose that we get yielded. It's on purpose that we learn the ways of the Spirit. And we just thank you. Teach us what our first step is. Teach us how to do that as we walk into our prayer closet from day to day. We just thank you for your goodness concerning it. We give you all the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today on Wisdom and Stuff. Don't forget to subscribe to get new updates and check out our podcast page on Podbean to find all our previous posts and full-length messages. We'll see you next time and have a blessed day.